Something that is holistic would be characterized as interconnected, such that the, that the parts can only be explained by reference to the whole or the, the entire thing. So what does it mean to be holistically secure? Welcome to Tech 37, the podcast covering technology education and collaboration from Worldwide Technology. My name is Rob Boyd. Today's topic addresses security as a whole, specifically cybersecurity, as our panel of experts is here to provide ideas and guidance for things like, like the balance between security and business or the value of best practices. How about asking for help and a whole lot more. Business and technology are certainly intertwined like never before. Long-term success requires acknowledgement of the risk involved and the security foundation upon which you build everything. Well, all right, guys, we have a fantastic looking panel. Thank you so much for joining us today. I tell you what, I want to go around the horn and uh, let you guys introduce yourselves just to make sure I don't uh, have a, too much of a chance to mispronounce names or titles. Let's start immediately to my side here. Shinna, I believe is the right way to pronounce that. Um, Shinna, yeah. can you give us your full name, your title, what you're involved with? Why are you here? That type of thing. Yes, uh, Shenna Seneca Tarnish. I lead the cybersecurity product management uh, team for Comcast Business. And here to talk about business enablement, security yeah. business enablement today. There's an ongoing complex conversation we're going to about to get a lot deeper on, which is where these two things intersect. Uh, well, thank you so much. Good to have you with us. And Warren, what are you responsible for and what's your what's your full name and title? Thanks, Rob. So thanks for being here. Um, Warren Perils, uh, based out of Atlanta, Georgia. I manage the security practice within global service provider at Worldwide Technology. And really that's responsible for the overall strategy of security and cybersecurity across our service provider business and helping customers like, you know, our major customers like Comcast here. Shana, thank you for joining us today and be part of this conversation. Yeah, I like the uh, the fact you guys, everyone here represents a different angle um, on on uh, for ways for us to uh, tackle this conversation. Uh, and especially, Jeff, I had the joy of meeting you as we were starting to plan out this topic. And I'm still just getting bits and pieces of all the different things that you're involved in. But for the sake of this and keeping it simple, um, what's your full name? What are you responsible for? And uh, sure. yeah, thanks for joining sure. us. So Jeff Hancock, <clears throat> thank you for joining everybody. Uh, Director of Engineering and Operations for Worldwide Technologies. Have about uh, 20 plus people who particularly help support organizations across the board, like Jenna's uh, organization, uh, regarding security operations, architecture design, and how all of that filters into and supports business operations. Well, Jeff, let's start with you. Uh, this this topic, when we talk about the intersection of, of business and security and kind of making this uh, a topic that for some is way too simple, um, because I don't think they're recognizing everything. And I think for others, it's something that uh, also can appear way too complex. And maybe someone doesn't know always where to start. But I wonder if you could set the stage for us um, at, in terms of what's important to, to be covered today and, and how do you want to approach this conversation? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Um, <clears throat> well, you know, as, as you guys know, right, the, the world has changed a bit in the last five, six months. Um, technology, the use of technology has grown significantly. Organizations are trying to justify and understand the impact of technology on current business operations, how that affects IT infrastructure purchases, things such like old legacy systems, cloud security, new systems, 5G, things of that nature. And cybersecurity is impacting all of that. Uh, and, and CISOs and security experts kind of stand in the middle, but definitely stand in the middle in between on one hand, helping uh, organizations understand the business ramifications of good security 
but yet also on the other hand, looking at traditional IT infrastructure and new technology infrastructure and how to secure that and balancing all the spinning plates. So it's definitely a challenge today. It's thing, it's always going to be a challenge, but I think with every six months, 12 months, something new happens in the world and it kind of makes security a bit more important. It makes business enablement more important. It makes understanding IT more important. So, Yeah. In fact, I wanted to ask you, and you, 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 uh, What's the right term? When you say an acronym out loud, there's one that comes up a lot and will happen again in this conversation around CISO. I think at least that's how mm-hmm. I pronounce it. C-I-S-O. That, do you mind yep. breaking down that acronym? Make sure we're all on the same page. Sure. Chief Information Security Officer. All right. So this yep. would be the most senior executive for security in an organization. If an organization is maybe big enough to have that definition, because I think we're still at an age where a lot of people don't have dedicated uh, individuals just solely yep. practicing security, correct? Yeah, yeah. I think the first SO uh, was 1994, <clears throat> very long time ago, uh, and then then hit and miss the last 20 plus years. Uh, but in the last 10 years, uh, the the title and role has definitely expanded. You get people from all over uh, taking on those types of positions. But your point is is well made. Not everybody can afford one. Not everybody can find one because they are few and far between nowadays. Uh, and it's a challenge. So you know the conversation when I mean when I mean CISO in this conversation, it's really not just for a chief information security officer, but it could be a CIO who's got specific cybersecurity responsibilities, or it could be a security director. Yeah, right. I think the point is really going to be how those things impact the business. So, well, let me ask you, Shanna. I want you to weigh in on this. You work with a lot of different customers of, of many different sizes. You are responsible, as I understand it. And correct me if I'm wrong, for really starting and, and building out the security practice, I hope I'm saying this correctly, for Comcast business. But I know you interact and in, in you're responsible for a team of people that are providing a lot of services to customers of different sizes. What are you seeing in terms of IT uh, specialization versus a, an in-depth security specialization uh, versus someone that's just, you know, where, where, where do those things hit at different size businesses or different models, perhaps even across industries? Um, I think, you know, in the large organizations, you know, the Fortune 1000, you're going to see the CISO role for sure. You're going to see, you know, that head person that has responsibility for all security operations. But probably when you get down market, you know, the smaller businesses, you'll find a security practitioner of some sort that could be wearing multiple hats. Not only are they the security person, they're the IT person, they're the desktop person, they're the installer, <laughs> right? So it really varies uh, greatly from small to, to large. Yeah, no, I, I, very much so. And, it, and, and that's part of the need for certain things to be more simple, certain practices to be more repetitive, perhaps. But also, just while we're here at the top of the show, I want to make sure that we've also defined because we talk, we're going to just say security in a lot of situations. Um, specifically, we mean cybersecurity. And I want to make sure, as opposed to, say, physical security, there certainly is some overlaps in terms of practices that make their way in the digital realm versus the physical realm uh, that are important to understand and, and will come into play. But I think for the most purposes, we are talking about the digital side when we say cybersecurity. Correct, uh, Jeff? Absolutely. That's so, a good clarification to make. Yep. Well, and so let me throw this out for the group in terms of, of understanding where those differences are, you know, IT versus cyber. Um, I don't know, Jeff, will you kick this off? And then Warren, I want you to jump in because I'm not exactly, I, I know you've got opinions on this, but IT versus uh, cyber, what's important to understand how that stuff fits together? So I think 
back to your point, right? So security, cybersecurity is the, you know, security and digital assets, essentially, at the end of the day, data, uh, hardware, software, a variety of things, right? It's, it's a tool to secure those digital assets. IT is traditional, you know, if you go back 30 years ago, uh, IT tech, IT was really designed to support business operations. So it's just email and servers and infrastructure where security was in that mix, but at a very small level. Okay. Maybe a firewall, maybe antivirus, maybe passwords, maybe not. Yeah. Um, and that's very minimal level. But as, as the organization, as the industries have grown, um, IT has accelerated past what would be considered a traditional um, IT operations and grown into cloud. You know, 12, 13 years ago, the term cloud security kind of kicked off. Um, and it, it's really taken, obviously, storm, but that IT infrastructure has gone outside of, you know, your own business office and has become, you know, your work on somebody else's computer, essentially, is what cloud security is. So mm-hmm. or cloud, cl- the use of cloud and IT services, security around that has just increased tremendously, obviously, in, in many different forms and fashions. As businesses grow, security has to attack on not only to the human side of it and how humans interact with IT, but to strictly the IT side of it and how IT systems are built, how applications are developed securely, how uh, systems become integrated. So it, it's this, the concept of security has expanded exponentially, whereas IT has grown you know, in multiples. So it's a, a different concept. What are yeah. the... And, Go ahead, Warren. Oh, 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 no, I was going to just expand on that a little bit. And if you want to throw buzzwords out there, you know, digital transformation. Right. So as we evolve now, right, as companies, especially like service providers, evolve and, and transform their networks and their services they offer to their customers, Shannon knows a lot about this, um, we have to tie security into that, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, think about think about 5G, IoT, edge computing, all of these wonderful things that are opening up new opportunities to the world, right? They just add more problems now. The attack surface has increased. There's more inherent problems built into this architecture. Some of them are now even open systems. They're virtual. So there's a lot of complexity built into them, even though they are wonderful, they enable a lot of, you know, businesses and the world to perform, you know, as we enable our customers to perform better. You think about medical, think about manufacturing, right? IoT going over, you know, we think about COVID now, what's happening, right? In our IoT can enable the medical field. So all of those things are wonderful, but it also opens up a lot of attack service, right? Mm-hmm. There's a lot of danger in that. So how do we tie security into that transformation? How do we tie security back into that? Well, in, in our efforts to do that is, when we think about the traditional goals of an IT group, maybe are those are those differences? If I am an IT person I, and I really care about network and connectivity, are my goals uh, going to clash or work in concert with maybe what a security practitioner wants to achieve? Because it feels like obviously these are two things that need to work very well together, but I don't know that they always do, maybe either because of the way the organization is, is set up or is it just a fact of life and we want those two to clash a bit so that something good maybe comes out of that clash uh, at the end. Any, any comment on that? I think that often happens because the groups talk too late. Um, mm. And if you bring in all of the constituents early on, you'll end up with a, a better outcome. And so the clash often happens after the fact, right? Maybe a business strategy is developed and, and it's, nearly executed and then you discover all these issues that have to be addressed from a security hygiene perspective and it causes a lot of rework and you know financial implications and complexities and maybe not doesn't feel as agile 
But yeah. if you have the the right partners in the beginning and you do it mindfully, the outcome will be so much better and probably allow you to be much faster than your your other competitors because you've thought through the next step and the next step and prepared yourself as yeah. a business. I, I think that's yeah, a great point. Yeah, go ahead, Warren. Oh, no, I was just going to say to that point, security is often seen as a barrier, right? Um, mm -hmm. uh, traditionally, it's seen as a barrier. It has to, um, like Shana said, over the years, salt security can be bolted onto a solution and you have to work backwards. Um, instead, now we actually see a lot of organizations starting to build security into it. They're starting to learn that, right? And it's just accelerated them, accelerated yeah. them immensely, right? And, and also, uh, if you think about from their customer point of view, um, it's actually enabled them to, you know, be viewed better from a customer point of view, right? There's better, more trust. More trust can lead to a better market brand as well. Completely agree. I'm reminded, and I think we had talked about this earlier, but I'm always, I'm reminded of this this thing that had come to mind with this notion of no one brags about the brakes on their fast car, you know, when they're bragging about their car. <laughs> but I guarantee you that if you did not have good brakes on that fast car, we're just assuming it's faster than normal, but any car could do this, um, you're not going to drive it much at all, perhaps. And so to Shinna's point, the the idea of baking in security from the get-go is all about being more nimble, um, you know, because first it's a mindset of not thinking about security as the just say no department, like purchasing perhaps. <laughs> um, but it's, it's you know, this is the group that should be enabling if they're all on the right page. So for the, for the next part of this conversation, then let's assume that, um, that our customer is on board. They are pro-security in the general sense, but then, Jeff, uh, I, I feel like the next step becomes a little bit more difficult if we're starting this fictitious company here from scratch. I want to do security right. I want the, the right uh, marriage of cybersecurity operations, so to speak. What mm -hmm. kind of things should, should I be looking at to, to make that happen? Uh, so, <clears throat> I mean, honestly, as a new company, right, there, many of the attention immediately goes to regulation and compliance, mm -hmm. right? Because assuming that this company is going to be managing personal data or some kind of information, uh, either customer information or IP data. So part of that fiduciary responsibility is, you know, what requirements and regulations do I have to be compliant with? Unfortunately, a lot of companies stop there. They think, okay, if I'm compliant with this standard or that standard, then we're good, right? All done. Um, and then in comes the IT folks saying, hey, we can do all these great things. We can, you know, start this new business. We can expand your business here. We can do this, that, and the other, develop applications and all manner of things, which are great. Um, but then, you know, they, they have to bump up uh, that, uh, bump that up against compliance and say, wait a second, yeah. is this compliant aspect or not? But in doing that process, many organizations miss what you just said earlier was the operationalization, you know, cyber operations, security mm -hmm. operations, what's that look like? Because security mm -hmm. operations is not a one and done. It's not a, that's a great point. Checkbox compliance. It's an operationally, you've got to make sure applications are developed a certain way. And as they're used by the user, they stay, they maintain security, right? New updates new interactions with other technologies. Um, from a strictly business perspective, just your supply chain, making sure your supply chain is secure, which is both very business-centric, but then also very technical-centric and cybersecurity. So multiple spinning plates there when you, when you start talking about this. Yeah, and that's where I think sometimes the head begins to hurt because there is so many <laughs> different places you can go. And, it, and, and it's interesting, when you talk about regulations, I do think that that is indeed where some people get forced into doing something they should have been doing all along. I think in a perfect world, yeah. we'd love for the regulation requirements to be met through 
tweaks or just acknowledgement of a process or set of systems that you've already got in place. And you mentioned, mm-hmm. you know, the difference between checking a box and saying, okay, I've achieved all these things, which we generally have to do at certain points in time, but it all should be a moment in time of a process that's already been in place, I guess. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. There's, there's actually 27 different uh, cybersecurity policies in the world or that's regulations all. in the world, right? Yeah, I know that's all, right? Um, these these are standards and, and bodies like, you know, HIPAA or PCI. The challenge is many companies, let's say they implement PCI. PCI is only applicable to a certain part of your business, yeah, not to the other parts of your business. So you can't, you can only be PCI compliant so far. It's only going to help you so much. Right. And many, many companies don't understand the holistic nature of cybersecurity and, and security operations and what that needs, what needs to happen uh, when you make that holistic across the company. All right. Let me ask you, let me run this past you. I feel like good security and because we're, we're is really it's a function of risk uh, is the way I've always looked at it. And it's degrees of risk. And it always felt important. Um, at least it was a turning point in my own head was the nature of understanding that you're never going to be finished. Security is not an initiative that you're, you're going to convene a project, um, you know, and then be done with at some point. Let me direct this to Warren. Um, do you agree that it's about reducing risk, which implies that you understand where that risk is to be found. And what are you seeing? Because you work a lot with service providers, I believe, on the security side, many of whom, uh, perhaps Shina included, uh, you know, have varying degrees of security practices where they're either doing stuff for themselves, so they're providing a good product, or they're actually providing security products themselves. Um, where do you see that that balance of risk and um, and such kind of hitting with your customer base and what they're doing? Yeah, I think there's two things when it comes to risk that's important, right? It's your exposure. So what's your exposure to your risk exposure? Uh, a good example there is visibility. So those providers have these vast, expansive networks that are highly complex, and visibility is a major issue. Mm-hmm. And, and that's across cybersecurity law, right? It just varies, you know, from size of organization, of course. Uh, the other piece for these, how do you measure that risk? How do you measure that risk to oh, reduce yeah. it? That's very important. So, you know, risk quantification is very important nowadays. It, it also comes back to the business component. Um, how do you tie that back? How do you tie that back into a language that, you know, non, non-security non folk can understand? And that you have to tie that back to a quantification, whether it be monetary, whether it be a score, or whatever that might be. So, yeah. How does someone begin to go about quantifying risk? I mean, maybe not in the physical sense, but it feels like it becomes necessary to know I, I need to know what's most at risk so I know what's justifiable in terms of spending to manage that risk or decrease that risk. Um, any comments from anyone on the panel uh, from that perspective? I think every business, you know, you you are in business because you have some intellectual property that's of value, right? right. And, and so starting with, you know, those crown jewels of what you're selling, what you're offering, how you're generating growth and and revenue for your organization, that's where you should focus first because that's the great, that's absolutely the greatest risk, right? That's how you're, you're thriving as a business and then working out from there of how to make sure that that is done securely. And, you know, to, to the point of, you know, your suppliers that help you to do that, ensuring those connections are secure. So I think it's like, you know, you start in the middle and, and grow out and the farther you get, you know, those things may not be as risky because there's no way to get back into your crown jewels. Right. Yep. And yeah, those become good, point. good. Go ahead. Yeah. 
So one of the, one of the examples that, that we like to use is like throwing a rock into a pond and you get the concentric circles that yeah. come out that you see, right? But that most innermost circle <clears throat> that wraps around the rock that's closest is what we say is your most important data. How are you securing that? Who has access to that? How's, how it's being utilized? Answer those three questions and you're able to manage that most important information. And then as, as Shanna said, as you go out, you're like, okay, do I really need to manage this? Is this that, that secure? And the furthest most ring could be your guest wireless network in your lobby of your office building, yeah. right? It's on a separate network. It doesn't touch any data. It's on a server in a closet and it's monitored and managed, but it doesn't touch anything else. Assuming so you built it that way though. Exactly. <laughs> because there exactly. goes back exactly. into Shenna's point about building in from the get-go. If you didn't design it to be on a separate network yeah. with no ability to jump, you know, on a layer three connection or something over, then yeah, you probably do have the ability to worry about that a bit less. But if you yep. didn't get to that point, then you better start worrying about it now because that's another exactly. port on your network, I guess. Yeah. Sorry, I just yep. exactly. thought no, no, exactly about right. that exactly. one. Exactly. Right. Because yep. <laughs> we've seen people that haven't, that, that haven't done that. Yeah. Well, and yeah. I think we've seen a lot of companies, you know, they don't get talked about for very long. And, and unfortunately, security events only make the news when they're uniquely different or bigger, when in reality, there's all kinds of things ongoing. It's I've joked, it's if you're in security, it's kind of the gift that keeps on giving because security always is happening, but uh, it only gets, you know, public attention or media attention when, when something is really unique and really different, unfortunately. Uh, but it doesn't stop. And there are some companies, because they didn't realize, to Shenna's point, exactly what their most valuable assets were that made up the intellectual property or their ability to deliver value to their own customers, that when that was affected, maybe it was a, a ransomware situation where everything was encrypted internally and, and they couldn't or didn't pay for the keys to get that out, because I think that's always a horrible position to be in. Um, well, suddenly the company ceases to exist because it just cannot function because it doesn't have access to its data. Um, so to what sh what you're saying there, Shanna, the idea is you, you, those are where you probably should start protecting first, I think is what you're saying? Yes, yes, absolutely. Spend the most money proportionally in that direction. Mm -hmm. Well, let me ask you then, is, is there such a thing as the best practices that apply in a widespread fashion to you know, anybody that could potentially be in the audience watching us talk about this, is there somewhere to start at at least at a basis? Because I imagine it gets custom the further uh, further down the ladder you go. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. What kind so, of best so, practices could could potentially be shared, Jeff, or how or not? How does that work? Yeah, sure, absolutely. There's <clears throat> there's one that that uh, that I go back to um, when people ask that question is where do we start or what should we go back to? Really, yeah. is mostly most of the question. Where, where do we miss it along the way? And one of the one of the standards is, and it's not like an official requirement standard. It's been around since um, 2007. It was used to be called the Consensus Audit Guidelines. Okay. It was changed into the um, Center for its most recent incarnation is the Center for Internet Security 20 Critical Security Controls. Sounds good. And pe uh, people can find that at cisecurity.org. What's unique about this is it was originally developed in 2007 for the express purposes of how to respond when bad guys attack your network. So it's not it's not designed to be data security or other compliance information security. It's designed to the the best way to protect your network from how bad guys attack. But it sounds attack, if I may interrupt. Changed. It sounds yeah, it sure. sounds reactive though. Is it Ah, it's it's not actually. So okay. it's very it's very proactive, right? There's 20 control sets, there's 100 and, uh, sub controls. Uh, but it it helps forces you to look at your network and do things like know what's on your network. Right. Map and track, every, you know, have a have a list of everything that's on your network, software and hardware. Right, make sure those things are updated. That's not sexy. 
Yeah, um, but it's, it's not like the MITRE ATT&CK framework. It's basic <laughs> bread and butter, right? But people miss that. It's point. where stuff keeps happening. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. That's that's exactly your point. That's a perfect a sequel exactly attack. Right. It's yeah. where it's where exactly it's where stuff happens. If I'm a bad guy, that's where I head first, right? Yeah. To get in there and get lateral movement. So they're very basic twenty controls, but they're very popular. Um, there was a report done and a research done five years ago from Department of Homeland Security. Um, where they looked at all of the attacks over an 18-month period and then applied very, various different security controls to the attacks to say, okay, if somebody had applied this, what would it have done to this attack? Oh, I like that comparison. Okay. Yeah, it was great. And what they found was 87.2% of all breaches that they found would have either been delayed or not happened if they'd implemented just the five of the 20 critical security controls. So I, I watched that happen. I watched that play out. And I was like, wow, okay, I've been involved using the controls on and off with different socks that I've built over the years, and it works extremely well from just like a a basic thing, but it gets you so much further from as an organizational perspective goes. So I think that's a great point for for starting off because I I'm a big fan of of well I'm a big fan of plagiarizing other people's work to to get started <laughs> on stuff because there's plenty of room to get creative and and individualistic as you move forward. But it's like why not stand on the shoulders of those who came before us and and really in this thing because it. it but I want to make sure a couple different things I want to make sure of. For one, you know, we're talking about uh, we're definitely talking about cybersecurity. But I feel like one important part of cybersecurity is, and and correct, use a different term if I'm not doing this correctly. But I feel like security culture in an organization that really has to do with the people and how they view security. For example, um, when I was working for Cisco, um, I'm embarrassed that I got hit by this because I generally thought that I was pretty good at this, but um, uh, Cisco's IT security group started sending out um, specially crafted phishing emails, but they were designed by the security group to lead you into, and if you were unfortunate enough to have clicked on this, um, then it led you into some mandatory training that you had to take. <laughs> and the whole idea, because I thought that was pretty genius in the sense of, of uh, because it, it, it hits on one of the most, the, one of the loosest security vectors we have, which is our people, um, because we ultimately have to trust people that are on the network. They have certain rights and, and, and abilities on the network. Let's hope that those are restricted to least privilege, but generally they're going to have to have some level of privilege. It's probably over and above what they do on a regular basis. You know, and so it's really easy for someone to say, well, uh, you know, a social engineering type attack could lead to, which I consider phishing to be, you know, could lead to someone giving access uh, because they thought they were doing something legitimate, uh, perhaps, you know, based on the way it was crafted and these things come out. Where does so where does culture come into a plan? You mentioned the 20 things, Jeff, um, on that. I th think most of those were infrastructure related, but I could be wrong. What do you what suggestions do you have in terms of culture and getting people straight? Sure, sure. I think. <clears throat> yeah, I'd be, I'd be interested in what, what the other panelists think. I think the culturally and I think it was almost touched on an early part of the conversation. When you have business attacking or approaching cybersecurity and you have technologists approaching cybersecurity, they're two very different perspectives. Uh, and that, that two different cultures, two different philosophies, two different understandings. When that boils down to the staff in the organization, some people are religious about changing their password every 30 days. Mm. Other people, you know, their password is the same thing it's been for 20 years. Um, and and there, there's actually a company Usually that goes keep it on the back there, of the keyboard. There for you go, right? so There's nothing there, exactly. though, just so you know. Yeah. So many stories about that, right? There's there's a company that's been tracking password usage for 12 years. In the last 10 years, it's been this, the number, they have a list of top 10 most used passwords. The number one has not changed in 10 years. Right? What do you, wait, let's see if we guess. Warren, what do you Can think it is? Pass. He probably knows. Password, password 
Just password. password. You think password? password. password. I was going to guess password as well. It's. I think. I think it's third or fourth this year. It's actually one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Ah. And they go out and look at all the breaches and all the data, all the all the information, the published data that's been of uh, companies that have been attacked, and you can see all this information. So they do every year. They troll through all this stuff and get the research. But that that proves the point, right? There is a behavioral situation that people like us on the call. I mean, Shanna, I mean, gee, you know, you your responsibilities can be very clear. You can have all the money you need. You can really run your practice, your business, really, really well as a business owner and support your your executives. But then the administrative assistant to your CEO, who if I was a bad guy, I would target first, keeps all of her passwords on her her screen, and they're all the same, and, and there four of them are the same, and she doesn't change them. So I'm going to target that. I'm going to target her or him uh, to be able to get into your network, and I'm going to go sideways, and it's going to make all the energy that you've you have spent in your career uh, not. It, it's going to make it harder for you to do your job. Is what I'm saying, and I think that's a that cultural awareness both as a CEO understanding that one person can make things go sideways if you're not careful. And as a CISO or a CIO understanding that not only one person can make it go sideways, but one person in an organization like your supply chain, which you don't have direct authority over can make your organization go sideways. Mm. That, that, that existential risk is multiplied and you're like, Oh crap, why am I a CISO? <laughs> why am I in this business? Cause it gets really complicated all of a sudden you've got to be able to develop controls in place that at least alert you to things like that happening. It might be able to stop you, but at least alert you to things like that happening. But then you've got to be able to work with your yeah. business partners to build that culture. Warren. Of awareness. I, I, I can also, you, you can also draw a direct correlation between cyber culture uh, and awareness to the ease of use of the, of security, right? Mm -hmm. So you want to enable, if you want to enable your, your, your employees, right? Why make it difficult? That's why we have sh uh, shadow IT because it's just simply hard mm -hmm. for users to store things on a secure server versus their own mm -hmm. personal OneDrive, you know? So I think we have, as cyber practitioners, a responsibility to make that as easy as possible. Think yeah. about working from home now, right? I mean, who wants to go in and change your password 20 times and then do this and jump through 50 hoops to do something? <laughs> I think there's been a definite shift in terms of ease of use, how we work with our tools, right, um, as, as employees, um, whether it be biometrics or, you know, to sign on, single sign on, just making it easier but secure at the same time. So I think there's a, there's a direct correlation between those two aspects. Shanna, let me ask you a question. How do most people arrive at wanting to spend more money on security? Because, for instance, as I understand it, Comcast Business, of course, provides network connectivity type services as a as a provider. And then your team is responsible for something that they're going to have to pay a premium for when they engage with you guys. So there's there's a level of security value that you're constantly selling, which inherently I like the idea of because I like the idea of it being handled for me, at least to to a certain degree. Do you find people approaching your team and looking for more help on a proactive or a reactive basis? Um, it depends. It depends on the size of the business, really. Um, the large organizations, the enterprise organizations, they have security operation centers. They have network operation centers. They have large IT staff, and they know security is important. Yeah. So that's more, you know, proactive learning about what Comcast Business can provide to them. Um, versus the the smaller businesses, they may have you know a jack of all trades. They have very uh, limited budget, and their focus is on just growing their business. And security is sometimes an afterthought. And it's 
so that's more reactive. It's yeah. not until, you know, the partner business down the street had a breach and or some sort of ransomware, or, or they hear of something happening to a business like them that makes them think, oh, I, I need this. Um, otherwise, it's they actually are impacted by something and then forced to to go ahead and purchase. Yeah, I think also, uh, Rob, uh, just we talk about partners like Comcast being a partner to their customers and, and WWT as well. We can actually, no one can do security by themselves. We think about our customers. They need a partnership. Partners around them can actually accelerate their endeavors, right, to make them more effective and have a larger impact on, on themselves and their organizations. I think partner ecosystem is very important. You know, we take from, you can use those strengths out there, whether it be WWT and Comcast, we bring a lot to the table for our customers. Well, let's let's go into, let's, let's hit the, we're on the last couple of minutes here in terms of, and I want to make sure we're clear on some ideas for where people could take, um, you know, ideas that were kind of talked about here, but where could they go with next steps? And I feel like even the best people that are on top of security, or at least would pride themselves on on trying to stay up with it, because I, I can usually tell the people who are the best at security are generally the ones who don't think they're that great, uh, because there's just, you know, because I think the more you know, the more you realize. Um, yeah, but you don't know. Yeah, you don't know, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. I, I would assume, though, if I think I'm pretty good with my company at it, can I come to a worldwide technology and ask, do you guys have a service to say, uh, uh, I always think of old days of penetration testing, but I think it's more than just that. Uh, do you have ways of, of potentially helping evaluate my security on a regular basis as part of uh, just wanting to make sure a third set of eyes or a second, you know, whatever, is able to tell me where I need to work harder? Jeff, yeah. I get you. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> Sorry, I'll leave you Absolutely. Hanging. No, that's okay. Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, everything from from a basic set of, you know, a compliance risk assessment based on whatever standard, but then how that standard is applied to the company, um, all the way over to using the MITRE ATT&CK framework in a customized um, database engine that we have that tests how a company's security stands up against that type of framework Yeah. Uh, from a very technical side. So, you know, we, the organization works hard because we, we work with so many different companies and so many different customers we're kind of in a, honestly, in a sweet spot in that we, we learn a lot <laughs> from yeah. what everyone else is doing. We help so many people. So we're kind of at a, an unusual spot that way. So, yep. I feel like um, everybody should be, and I'm Warren, what's your perspective on this? Because I get this from talk, my conversation with Shanna in thinking that, you know what? I think everybody, you know, most any company that's in business has some relationship already with a provider like a Comcast business, uh, whether it's them or not. Um, but it feels like any provider that you're working with, and usually these are multiple relationships, I feel like you should be aware of what services that they provide and that it's always a good question to ask because I could see people mistakenly taking on uh, things that maybe even are better delivered via a service you know, provided by someone else with less tax on their network, less um, type of things to manage and stuff. Warren, are you seeing that with your, you work across multiple service providers, I believe, or do, do most of them have security services to offer that maybe their customers aren't even aware of? Yeah, that's a that's a huge trend now, right? And um, think about cloud and cloud delivered services, you know, instead of sending out a, a technician or a, a truck to the house to install those services. So Shana can talk extensively about this. So I'll give her a chance to talk what Comcast is doing specifically. Well, let's do that then. Before we close it out, Shenna, can you give us a uh, give us an elevator pitch on on the kind of things that you guys are handling for your customers right now, and where you're you're most yeah. proud of? And what sure. your recommendation and what your recommendations are? Thank right? you. Right for people right, who are listening. Yeah. What what do you think people need to do? So I think um, 
from a Comcast business perspective, you know, we're a, a cable company at, at heart. And, and I do think a lot of customers don't realize what we can bring and offer them in in uh, cybersecurity. You know, if you think about it, Comcast is one of the largest ISPs, internet service providers in the world. So we have to know security at scale for ourselves to protect ourselves and protect our customers. So, you know, denial of service attacks is, is one area that we have uh, a product that offers uh, DDoS mitigation for our customers that have high-speed internet connectivity. Um, a lot of, you know, customers or businesses don't realize or think of Comcast in that way, but we have to do it for ourselves every day. We can do it on our customers' behalf as well. So that's an example. Of, I think that's you know, a great example because I, if anyone looks at how a DDoS attack happens, and DDoS is a distributed denial of service, it means basically a bunch of computers have probably been zombied in some fashion, and they're sending uh, spurious traffic that's trying to open connections uh, against maybe your website or your key e-commerce type of uh, entrance. And the problem is you can't solve that kind of problem uh, at all, if not easily, you can't black hole the traffic on your own. You really need that handled more upstream with a provider, like with what Shin is talking about. I think that's a fantastic example because it, a DDoS is designed to overwhelm. It's designed to just uh, uh, create uh, so much traffic that things just fall over and services quit working. So I like that quite a bit. Well, I'll tell you what, as we finish up, Jeff, uh, resources, I know you're working on an article that's about to come out, but there's a whole lot of different initiatives. You're, you teach an MBA program on security at George Washington, I believe, um, and you've got your fingers and other things that must keep you up at night uh, as well. What do you recommend as next steps? Uh, maybe resources at WWT.com or anything else? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. There's uh, a, <clears throat> if people go to WWT.com, there are, there are labs, customer facing, public facing labs on a variety of technologies that people can look at. There's articles on technical articles to business and cybersecurity articles that are, are written not only by some by our staff, but then also our partners as well. Uh, and, the, and the goal of those is to really just share the wealth, spread information, data. Here's what I've learned. It might help yeah. you. Here's what you've learned. It might help me, that kind of thing. Um, and then going to different places like, uh, as I mentioned earlier, cisecurity.org is a great place to go uh, because of the wide variety of tool sets they've got there that people can learn from. Um, I think, but there's a lot, there's a lot out there. It's, it's important to understand what your risks are. As we talked in this conversation, what your risks are, um, qualifying those risks and then taking a step back saying, where are all the resources that I can, uh, that would apply to me specifically. Yeah. Um, and again, as Warren points out, Warren is, Warren is, represents part of a larger practice that works with a lot of different, um, industries mm. from industrial control systems to energy, to healthcare, to a typical normal enterprise. And, uh, and, and again, at the WWT site, there's a ton of information uh, for people to be able to log in and take a look at. So this is great. I, I can't believe none of us said go buy a firewall or anything like that. <laughs> we didn't say there's a whole bunch of products you need to go buy or anything like that. Uh, because oh, yeah, no, I know. And that's the thing is I was I was really worried about how are we going to keep this conversation um, in, a, in a certain area at any given moment, because I, I could I, I could easily pick up 18 more conversations that we could have on any on multiple things that we're going through the, the center of this conversation here. But we're out of time. I apologize for that. But to our audience, I thank you guys for joining us. Uh, please check out WWT.com for more resources. We should have in the notes links to the article that we refer to that's going to be fresh as this podcast comes out. And uh, But there's also many more services, stuff I'm not even aware of that Worldwide Technology is doing. 
and I've learned a whole lot more about Comcast business. Working with smart people like you guys, I really appreciate it. Shenna, thank you. Warren, Jeff, so appreciate you guys. We'll see you guys on the next one. Thank you.